0: Hey, this is Dave.
1: And this is Ana Maria from Vajra. And you're listening to Interview Under Under Fire.
0: Fire.
2: All right. Welcome back, everyone. Sunny here with another brand new edition of Interview Under Fire. Ana Maria and Dave, such an honor. Thank you guys so much for joining our podcast today on IUF. This is an important yet exciting time coming up in 2021 for you and the rest of the guys over at Vajra with the release of your newest long-awaited studio album, Urkala, set to release January 15th, 2021 on Thunder Cult Records. You know, it feels really great to say that number considering where we are at right now. And like I said before, we talked about, you know, the interview started. Congratulations on all the well-deserved recognition it's been getting so far, especially with the singles. Maya, and Sever the Tie, which came out uh, last week, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, shout out to Loudwire, Rolling Stone, Metal Injection, AXS, the list goes on. Now, before we get to all that, Dave and Anna Maria, yes. I'm going to ask a very important question to start things off.
0: Okay. It's a
2: very simple one, but I think it's an important one to ask, considering where we are at, at our lives at this point. How are you? <laughs> how's, <laughs> life, how's life in New York right now, since our lives have pretty much changed back in March? We're already in December, believe it or not.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It seems to be flying by. First of all, thank you for having us. We're we're ha- very happy to be here and to be chatting with you. Um, Likewise, it's 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 been crazy. It's been a wild ride. So we live about a block from the Manhattan Bridge. So over the summer, we had nonstop helicopters, and you know the protests would all come like through this way. So and we were part of some of that. So it's been a lot of. Um, crazy time and from from that perspective but then also because of covid new york city is a totally different
0: place yeah when COVID started you know we're we're pretty much we hunkered down in one room for like two months and didn't leave one room because you know there was nowhere else to go we're not going outside no
1: you know? <laughs> and when it first happened we all thought It'll be a week or two. We'll be back, you know. Back, everything will be back to normal. And then it was like two more weeks, two more weeks. And shit was hitting the fan. So Mm -hmm. we were like, "Oh fuck!" So you know, it just got a little weird because our routines are off. I run, I jog. I haven't really. I feel weird running and jogging outside because I don't like to have the mask, but I have to have the mask. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know if somebody's going to be sneezing on me or coughing. And then that you don't want to go to the gym because that's even worse. And so. You know, health-wise, it feels different. Yeah.
0: So also remember when this first came to the United States, it was New York City that got hit the hardest. Yeah. So yeah. we're sitting there. I'm watching the, the numbers tick. I'm like, oh, my God. New York City now has more cases than Italy, France, and fucking, you know, what other other countries yeah, combined. combined, yeah. And we're like, I'm like, here we are. this is it. We're, we're going to die. Like, the zombies are going to go. Whatever. I thought it was it was like you know, the end of the world, because everyone's saying do not leave your house is before the wearing of the masks. So, you know, right.
1: uh, yeah, we didn't, yeah. no one really knew what to do, no right? The guidance wasn't so clear. And and still is not so clear, you know, right. that we won't get into any yeah. of that. But it's just, you know, it was it was a wild ride. We yeah. were very fortunate that the weekend before shit happened. We went and saw Ohm for the second time. And that was amazing. Man. So that we were on this high for a little bit at least it carried us. Ohm saved us, you know. That, so,
2: that, it, it, I mean, if you're talking about the end of the world, that's the way to do a send-off. Yeah,
1: it was <laughs> a great send-off. We actually know?
0: rented a car out of Jersey and drove to Connecticut, to, Connecticut to see Ohm. And then as we were returning the car in Jersey, it was like do we touch the Did handles we touch the <laughs> are we, we supposed to oh my god you know, nobody knew yet
1: no one knew what was going and on no- but, and we when we were there it was jammed with people yeah. and we managed because before we knew what the hell was going on we were like oh, we'll be fine before we knew it was what happened we actually there was like this cleat like it was like the seas parted and we got we were able to go right up front to the to be right in front of of, of uh yeah. al just playing and we
0: were just like oh and my I'm god this is at, a gift I'm and i'm like i'm staring at al playing and i'm just like he's my favorite Baseball, yeah
2: and <laughs> baseball. I can I can relate to that because I remember the day the pandemic was announced March 11th specifically it was that day yeah. I'm sitting in a tour bus with Max Cavalera of all people and yeah. we're and we have our uh, phones we're like well they just announced the pandemic what do we do he's like well I'm just gonna go up there and do what I love like we yeah. had no idea of course that was that's the last show I went to I'm mean, talking about yeah. send-offs and now here we are I haven't been to a show in what since March like we're saying and I haven't been to a movie since gosh February or January that's I can't believe I'm even saying those words. Yeah, no. it's like reality, and uh, I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say this is the new norm because people get oh, you can't say that. That's not yeah. the new norm, you know. But hey, here we are. I mean, in December of, of of all months, and now we're getting ready to hopefully, you know, start things on a good note. I already know we're starting the new year off a of good note with your new album. That's how you. That's how you know you're starting things off on a good note. You know. Thank you. Now. I know the routines have been very different, like staying at home, but but I want to talk about you know pre-COVID. And you guys have done some extensive touring throughout your career. So I want to ask, how was a touring life for both of you personally? Because now all of us we're taking kind of like an unseen step back. And does it make you guys have a growing appreciation of the touring life? Because we're talking culture, fans, even the food. There's just so many things to pick apart about what makes touring life amazing. What was both of yours like biggest takeaway from that?
1: For for me, uh, you know, I just I, I'm like a gypsy. I like to be in different places. I like to be meeting different people, I like to 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 be in on different soil and in different places on the earth. You know, I just it's exciting for me. It's exciting to meet the fans, to to actually be face to face with the fans. It's it's exciting to perform as much as I am so Uh, nervous about performing, I still absolutely love that energy exchange that happens when you're in a live show. And that's a big part of our presentation and who we are is, is, is is kind of moving the energy in this in the room and moving all of our energies you know but that's any show that you go to that's what happens you know but but to be able to do that is real uh thrill for us so not having all that is just like where are we it's kind of confusing you know it's like yeah. we, we still the creation of the music the writing of the music is another beautiful aspect of what we do i love that space as well um, and, and the rehearsals are, are also fun when we, when we get together and, and, and all kind of hash stuff out. But the performance aspect is missing. So that's a huge, like, where what what is this whole thing? You kind of are losing a part of yourself, you know? Like I said, my personal routines have changed, but also the band routines have change, changed. We're not rehearsing on a regular basis like we were before, partially because we have families and who know? you know, who knows what's doing, who's doing what, uh, Mars has a child and, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. we don't know what what's, hap- you know, we don't know. And we don't want to carry anything back to our parents or if we go visit them for the holidays and all. So part of it's that. And then a part of it is, you know, we're all kind of, the routine is off. So mm-hmm. I think we're all just kind of um, a little shell-shocked still. You know, I am personally. Yeah. I don't know if I'm taking. Well,
0: one thing that I I'm I love, you know, as far as touring, we since like 20 what 14, we've been going on and off these tours for a, for a lot, and I I actually loved it because I love the traveling, I love the whole pulling out the equipment, setting up, sound checking, playing, you know, hanging out, meeting new people, uh, in every city, and and just like doing a show because i i love playing music and playing music at different places and that is completely like that that all of a sudden was off the table just that alone even if you're not making money or 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 having playing in front of a thousand million people just the act of doing it is gone and that's that's like holy one of my one of my favorite things to do for decades basically you know yeah, and, and he
2: it was
1: communes it, with Beatrix too, the I band. Love driving the band. Yeah. Love relationship yeah. <laughs> with Beatrix, the band. So now you know he's missing <laughs> out on this.
2: You know, it's and it could be as as something little as that. You know, I remember um, there were some bands I interviewed. They would say they would say something like, "As simple as waking up on the tour bus and just hearing the boom of the bass drum." You know, for a sound check. Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's just a very simple in, a, a tidbit of information. But now, as you talk about it, okay. I can actually imagine myself waking up in that atmosphere and really missing it, you know, and you nailed it. You guys both nailed it right on the head. Now, I want to segue into this because a very popular topic on the show and and you guys have seen it that I've been talking to about all these artists with live streaming. A lot of the bands, what they've been doing on stage, they're taking onto the screen like we're doing right now, but you know, I want to ask now, because this is a very important question, but I want to set it up. I mean, we've we've seen bands like Code Orange. They're one of the first first bands to do it. I think it was two days after the pandemic was announced. They did that show in that empty venue, and they streamed it for the fans. You know, Lamb of God did it. Behemoth did it. Um, August Burns Red just did one last uh, last weekend, which I attended. It made me miss a live experience even more. So I wanted to ask you guys, with the amount of experience that both of you have taken in, with all the fans that you've met, with all the other artists, all the venues, the atmospheres that you have experienced throughout your career. Do you guys think that the quarantine induced live streaming surge we're seeing right now from all these artists, is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward? Like do you still see bands doing this
0: even after all this is over? Really good question. Uh do you wanna do you wanna I, I have to form a thought about that, but yeah, is it, well, it's interview I mean, under fire. So okay,
1: for me it's it's like Stream, streaming is, is cool, yeah. but it's just not the same thing. The energy exchange is different. It's through a, a computer. And and maybe that's my age, you know, because I'm not a child where we're I was born with this constant, oh, inter, you know, <laughs> in, in, interaction. So for me, I'm an energy based person. So when I'm right in front of somebody hmm. or something, I just feel that. And a computer, yes it's there but it's different and i'm not able to navigate that as well as if it was right in front of me so for me streaming doesn't isn't as effective for me in terms of a an energy exchange i also feel that um the sound quality is not the same you know
2: oh yeah <laughs>
1: so so you're not um it's just different and so if if you're someone like Pussifer that put out you know their their stream thing that they just did when they released the new album yeah uh, live in uh, I forgot the Somewhere name Arizona. yeah
2: Arizona. I, I know what I know what you're talking about I can't think of it top of my head right now um, yeah anyway but yeah I know I know what you're but talking when about
1: they did, so that was amazing right because there's all these different camera angles and it's like the sound was just awesome. And he put together this whole, it was like an experience. And like I called, um, I texted my friend Taz who did our artwork. Taz Lemur is in the band Calm. And he's done like artwork for like all these amazing people. He's just super creative. Awesome we're going to we're gonna
2: talk about that in a minute. Cause because yeah, yeah, I know exactly yeah, who it is.
1: Yeah. So like I, I texted Taz and I'm like, are you watching? He's like, yeah, we're just about to watch. I'm like, all right, I'm putting my phone down. Cause like during the watch, the viewing experience, I'm like, no phones, you know, like go oh, to set it aside. And that was awesome.
0: Yeah. We actually, we, really we bought it. tickets for that and we set up and we, we had a great, you know, great sound system in, in the apartment and, and just we sunk into that. That was amazing.
1: Yeah. So that to yeah. us, that was like done properly, I do guess it. that yeah. was, that's the way to do it. Now, can we do that on a limited budget? I'm not so mm-hmm. sure. So <laughs> We're trying to figure something out, but we might, we were we were talking about like maybe we just do some unplugged acoustic stuff like you know Allison Chain's unplugged kind of stuff. Maybe we do that kind of thing and we. That set would, it up.
2: man, guys! If you guys do that, holy shit! So well, that, that that that'll be something
0: though for Vodra. That's exactly I'm just saying, what yeah. what I think. Yeah, and and you know me as a as sort of a um, uh, I'm I'm a a, a video editor. I've, you know I've edited our videos yeah. and stuff. And and yeah. I I need at least three cameras if we're gonna do that. Like so if we are gonna do that, I'm gonna have a couple of people come over with cameras holding them so I can get all the angles and 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 we're gonna, you know, because I couldn't do something other than that. Like I can't just have one camera on a tripod. It's not so know?
1: interesting <laughs> for us, you know, and I don't think it would be as interesting yeah. for the yeah. viewers. Yeah. So why why would we do that? And then and then it's it's just disappointing. I don't want to I don't want to disappoint. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't want to disappoint if fan you know i would want the, to keep that we have to trans the experience of the show and of the music is so important to us that is a part of what this is yeah. and if we can't translate that effectively we're not going to do it we're going to try to do it the best way we can where we can translate the energy and translate the mood and give an experience as much as we can and so until we know exactly what that is uh we we, we won't do that. And so therefore, in answer to your question, because we kind of beat it around the bush, um, I definitely think live music w- will always be a thing because there is nothing like that. Yeah. That, ex- that experience is what it is. And it is that experience. Streaming is fine, but streaming is a streaming experience. So live, Live is the live experience and, and there will be, we will get over this. Like we got over the Spanish flu, like we got over, you know, the plague that we will get over this, but it might take, I I think three to five years to be quite honest.
2: Wow. um, And here's the thing you guys have, that's, that's a great answer. I like asking this question because there's no right or wrong answer. I have artists Mm -hmm. who say, yeah, I'm not going to do anything until all this is over. And there are artists who say, yeah, I, I would like to do live streaming. It still allows me, you know, a way to engage with the fans. And I'll tell you something that I did, uh, back in August. I don't know if you guys knew this, that Metallica did that for one weekend. They did the live streaming at the drive-in. I remember. Yeah. So Dallas sold out immediately. Dallas sold out. Luckily my friend had a ticket. He's like, Hey, you want to come along? I'm like, okay. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I don't know what to expect. I'll tell you this. I got there, um, wait okay let's put the live experience aside for a second but just getting there it felt like an actual concert like the traffic was crazy like the turnout was insane and I'm just like I'm gonna walk around with a mask right that's uh that's the rule it's like yeah yeah you have to do that so we did and you know we got food and it was just uh, just a bunch of cars just parked in front of this uh theater screen and uh what's the most popular thing we hear at a metal show let me see those horns, right? And you just see a sea of horns. Like just that that energy that you feel that you're talking about, Anna Maria, that you feel that as all these fans are doing this. And instead, what did we get? Uh, three Days of Grace open, right? So Three Days of Grace was like, all right, let me hear you guys honk your horns. So if you roll your window down, you just hear just <laughs> just in the in, into the night, you just hear cars just honking, just in silence. It felt so odd to hear that. Yeah. But, but like I said, what I'm trying to get at is I did miss, that made me miss the live experience even more. I mean, I always have the liberty to mosh in my own room if I wanted to. There's always that. But how much longer can we do it? Yeah, you did the live streaming, streaming, right? But now what? Okay, how much more creative can you get now? We're approaching, I mean, in March, it's going to be a a year. And who knows? Will Code Orange do another, like, annual COVID show? Like, who knows? That's just something I'm throwing out there. But you guys have answered that perfectly. And I know we talked about a lot of things from head to toe. I promise we'll talk about Urkala now.
1: Yeah, sure, uh, exciting yeah, sure. stuff,
2: you know, comes out January 15th on Thunder Cult. Long-awaited follow-up to Pleroma, I'll tell you that. Now, when I heard it from the Tile Track to Maya to Wavering to Wind, it was so completely entrancing. And I hear the theme Dark Rock being thrown around a lot by the listeners. Now, it was like melodic, and it was hauntingly dark and ambient with experimental interludes. It was very hypnotic, very progressive, This is as good as it gets. It was like a lullaby I never knew I needed. (laughs) Ah, Thank you. That's so cool. And Ana Maria, you said it yourself. You said it yourself. I'm going to quote you. I see us as travelers who go outside the bounds of a sense-based perception to catch a musical or lyrical idea and then translate it into the material realm. Yeah. So having said that, how much did things change from when you guys first started composing on this album To where you ended up finishing it? Did a lot change in between? Did nothing change in between? Was there already a specific sound you guys knew you wanted with Urcala?
1: Uh, Such a good question. A lot changed, we'll put it that way. There's a lot of crazy time that I went through before I wrote and while I was writing. Hmm. So like, I mean, my roommate was diagnosed with stage three cancer, had to move out and go back home. And he loses from Canada. Um, my, while we were on tour in Sweden, the day after my birthday, my cat, who's like my baby, passed away. Oh um, so I like, it wasn't even there for it. You know, it was like, ah. Uh, and um, then I started having some health issues and I was diagnosed with um, a fibroid tumor the size of a tennis ball on my uterine wall. So then that was like this whole weird, crazy time. And I had to figure out what to do and was, was I had to get surgery and all this kind of crap. And then, um, the IRS audited me. Oh
2: man. That's, <laughs> and so that that's was another fun. thing. Oh boy! And,
1: and then, <laughs> so like, and then, and then, and, 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 and Dave had, um, some stuff that he was going through. He lost his, he broke up with his girlfriend, moved out of his apartment and lost his job of 15 years. So then he, everything at
2: the same
1: time. Everything at the same time. So then Gosh. So it's then, like, and it's like,
2: and wait, there's more.
0: and there's more so then he left the band I I
1: took off I I was oh my lord checked out so he left the band so I'm just like what the fuck oh oh oh." yeah and so then I was dating this dude that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with
2: and (laughs) broke up sorry Dave's reaction (laughs) it's surprising he's like you're gonna tell that he's all
1: happy he's like like looking at you like (laughs) no so okay okay it was too much
2: yeah
0: was
1: hitting, i was getting hit on all fronts and i was like okay it was like boom, boom, boom. i just kept getting smacked and then i'd get up and then i get smacked down again and i yeah. get up and smack down so then finally it was like okay we're gonna cease touring we just did like in i think 2018 we just did like limited run we went to sweden we went to germany we did a limited us stuff i think we just went to the midwest and then um i said we're gonna finish this album because the t- you know with everything that was going on it was just like everything was crazy let's just focus on finishing them so then i finished the writing and sahaj from raw produced and mixed so went yeah. to see him a few times and and sorted you know like okay we had to record the vocals and all this stuff um the drums were recorded in upstate new york that's blake fleming from the uh he used to play with the mars volta, mars volta yep so he came back and did the drums with me which was really pretty awesome Um, but it was the, it was definitely a process these, some of these things were happening at the same time. And some of these things had happened before, you know, that we actually started recording. Um, but yeah, a lot had happened and we went through a lineup change, you know? So again, again, so it was just, it was a lot of turmoil. Um, and I thought, well, you know what, this is the best album to do it because Urkala is a Sumerian word for the underworld. Mm -hmm. And that all of you know it's it's material based thoughts it's it's ego it's lie cheat steal superficiality it's all about those emotions so we can get trapped in in all of the um not i want to say nonsense distractions noise or we can zero in on what's beyond all that and that's what that's what the album was for me it was zeroing in on the music and communing with the other realm in order to be able to even just live because of all the stuff that's going on without going crazy so it was a definite journey
2: you know i want to talk about sahaj for a second because uh he's a new york native and with with raw he's also known for his work with motley crew and yeah. another no- another name i'm gonna throw out you guys is uh camilo silva and he's a yes. grammy winning studio ace was there a sense He's of, com- a yeah, was, yeah. having said those names, was there a sense of comfortability in the studio for you guys, knowing that they were working on the record with you?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, it's also difficult because Pleroma, I did myself. So mm, this is, okay. you know, this the, giving the babies to to someone is a little like, ah, ah and he'd do something <laughs> and he would, he, you know, he'd do like he'd do something and I would like freak out a little. He's like, what? And then I listen after like the second or third time. No, I really like that. But the first reaction was like, no, because it's different, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so he's like, you're such a pain in the ass. <laughs> 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 I was that's, like, that's,
2: I that's how you know that's how you know you're doing it right when yeah. like someone says this, like okay okay this is how you want to do it let's go I want to push this out there yeah I see what you're saying because this is your yeah. baby you know you know you're talking about like your upbringing and everything to Vajra and then it's like okay I'm handing it over to you don't drop it but yeah be careful, you know something like that
1: yeah and-, and like conversations over the snare sound you know and he's like stop the crazy time and I'm like it's not right yet it's not right yet and then I'm just like uh, it was, yeah, yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah,
2: and hey, but, like, but like, go, oh, go ahead. You were gonna say you were gonna finish that well, part.
1: Sahaj is brilliant. He's super, super talented. So I, I, I had that comfort for sure. With Camilo, he's some, he's like a crazy scientific <laughs> genius, like with that stuff. So it's like I had definite, you know, I was, I was comforted with that as well. Yeah. So I knew that. I had it, it I wasn't gonna fall on my you know knees, but making sure that the translations were pure is really, you know, just communicating that to the people that are helping you is really just the issue. you know, like not that they would do anything wrong, that just that the communication would be intact in the product in the production in the, in the in, you know, In the production, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Also, one Uh, thing I gotta
0: say about Camillo is that this is the first time we've pressed anything on vinyl.
1: Yeah.
0: And he messed we have two different masters, one for electronic, you know, digital, whatever. And he did a second master for the vinyl. And we got the test pressings back for the vinyl. And we bought a a nice turntable just to listen to them. And I can't I can't even tell you it's sound to me. It's uh, the the vinyl of of Urkala sounds incredible. Uh, he did such an amazing job with the mastering mm. of it for vinyl. It, you could tell it's different because we listened on on digital to the vinyl master and it wasn't exactly the same. Then you listen on vinyl and it's just like holy shit! Yeah. The depth of, of what he did
2: yeah you know? it comes out.
0: So I, I was I was fascinated
2: by that. You know you know I have a so I have a family full of musicians. So uh, both of my brothers are are drummers and my older brother. He owns. Uh, uh, I'm relating into what you said about the vinyl. He owns the um, melancholy and infinity sadness from Smashing Pumpkins. The yeah. vinyl they did the, the recently. They did a, like a repressing of the vinyl, and he told me one thing that really resonated. And as you're talking about it, Dave, about your experience, you can only listen. How, how do you say it? you can only listen to a vinyl version once? Does that make sense? Like for, for the first time, and mm-hmm. you'll never get like. So you want to take that experience in. so now. As you're telling me this and knowing that Camila was behind like all the sound work that you guys have put out with Urkala, now it's gotten me, I'm going to have to start racking up my violin collection. I'm going to start yeah. off with Vajra. Like I'm going to get my own turntable now. And now I- I'm visiting my brother in, in a couple of weeks. It's like, hey, you need to listen to Urkala. Like So
0: it's going to be, now you got me excited. This is that's my, cool that's cool i i didn't believe it uh, you know I, I couldn't believe it because i'm like all right well we listened to it so much digital now i gotta listen yeah. to the vinyl but i was just like it it, it really is yeah, crazy and now i want to hear everything now we're going to record stores and we're buying vinyl
2: <laughs>
1: yeah so, you know?
0: again,
2: yeah and great. and the thing with and thing with melancholy because i've heard i'm sure you guys have heard it melancholy finney sadness mm-hmm. like i've heard that yeah. over and over and over but when i heard it on vinyl it was like i'm listening to a just a whole new record. Like, you know, yeah. I didn't I never got to take it in the way I took it in on vinyl. Yeah. So you know what it's you know what compressed,
1: it is? you know, yeah. on the on yeah. the CD. But, it is compressed. But you know what? The colors are missing.
0: On vinyl, you're forced to sit and listen to it. You can't put on your headphones and walk around and go shopping and whatever. You gotta sit there and actually sure. hear it. So so you're putting the needle down and you're it's sitting down and video. listening to it. And that that really helps, you know. There is a ritual to it.
1: <laughs> we've actually cra- we've we've crafted that. So when you get the vinyl, we'll send you a copy of the vinyl. We've there is a ritual that we have included on the vinyl. And and hopefully you'll partake in that because we feel that that will help aid the listener in the experience if you what, partake in the ritual. Yeah, what did I and say? we also have ritual packs. On the, on the website that I crafted, like I created mists, uh, essential oil mists and sprays, and there's incense and then candles, and you could pick up an, a ritual pack, and that would aid the, just the experience.
2: Now, for my listeners, how do they get access to that?
1: It's all on our website. It's on okay. our, uh, it's a uh, vajraofficial.com, uh, and the okay. shop is there. The yes. link is there. <laughs> And yeah, what did I? What did club. I?
2: What? Yeah. What did I say? This is a lullaby. I never knew that I needed. You just turn it up a notch. Oh my goodness. Ah. <laughs> now, Ana Maria, you know, you lived in India for five years. You know, yeah. And then you lived in Italy for summer. New Orleans, Louisiana, for three years. Then San Francisco for a couple months.
1: Yeah. Between
2: writing and this, Dave, this also goes to you. You know, uh, between writing and structuring the songs and the production process, like we just talked about. What challenges did you both face this time around that you may have not faced with Pleroma? What stands out about Vajra, uh, uh, you know, about Urkala the most? Uh, I'm putting you guys on the spot. What is this? You know what?
1: (laughs) It was not recorded. Well, I mean, Pleroma wasn't recorded in one sitting either. I, you know, for this, I guess the main difference between Urkala and Pleroma is with Pleroma, there was no math. I just did whatever the fuck I wanted. Right. So I had no idea what I was doing. It's my first album. I'm like, I'm just going to do whatever I, whatever I want. I don't. And, and for a call, I did whatever I want as well, but I, but with Pleroma, everything was just here. And, and, you know, three minutes and 14 seconds into the song 3.14, I added the Tibetan bell and, 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 you know, it was that detailed. It was like all these little things. And I didn't set a timeline for myself. I just kind of did, I went by instinct. This has to be done now. This has to be done now. I, I didn't find the right player for this yet but it's okay I'm gonna find the right person and we'll take the time until it happens there was no pressure there was also social networking was way less so I felt that
2: what even is this, 2012 though, I think 2011 yeah to, yeah
1: 2012 <laughs> so 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 I didn't have to worry about any of the promotion stuff the way we do right. have to now because now it's just so much online, none of that. So all my time was really in the, the weeds of the music and the presentation. Now, while we're doing our Kala and we're in the weeds of the music and the presentation, we're, you know, social networking, and we're doing whatever the promotion and all that kind of. So that's a different thing. We also weren't playing before Pleroma was released. We did play our first show eleven, eleven, eleven. It was 11, 10, 11 but we went into 11, Eleven, yeah. eleven, 11,
2: 11, eleven sounds better. So,
1: <laughs> so, so we couldn't get eleven, eleven, eleven for some reason. But we got <laughs> eleven, ten. It's fun. So, but you know, the thing is, you know, when you're playing, also, and more especially when you're on the road. It's hard to carve out some time to write when you're traveling every day and doing, you know, a 31 show, you know, tour in 35 days or whatever it is. And while
0: you're on that tour, you're thinking about the next one because you have to be out there to. You know to play you
1: know? right yeah. so you know and we're not we don't have a bunch of handlers or anything you know assisting so so it's just it's it it's a lot of other stuff that I had to also focus on while I was doing our college so that was tough that was very tough to balance
2: you know and you talked about this previously like about five, five minutes ago Is it Taz Lemer? How do you say his name? Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. So,
2: yeah. So he's, uh, he's known for his work with Tool and Volto and he designed the cover art. How did you know he was the person you wanted involved with presenting the visual part of it?
1: Because Taz is one of my best friends. And I think he has so much respect for him creatively that I knew. And it's another person that I could hand the baby off to where I just knew he knew what to do. And and we had conversations. And when we actually did the artwork, it's a triptych. It's part of a triptych. So this is the first EP in our first album. That's crazy. I said EP, first (laughs) album because it was going to be an EP and then we made it. So um, first album in a trilogy series of albums. And each cover will be a portion of the larger cover art that you will that will be revealed as each album comes out.
0: Oh my gosh. All right. So and then, that's, uh, that's, that is creative. That's great. You can either take each of the three EPs and, you know, if you want to put them on the wall. Then it'll at, make
1: at, sense like, one after
0: the other. And then we're going to have a big poster, like, probably, poster, probably a, a nice print actually of the full image so it's not split up. So it's it's all thought out. And, and Taz was really psyched to, to be a part of that. I, I like, I, I've i met Taz, he's, he's absolutely an amazing person.
1: And when we went to shoot, so when we started the shoot, we, we had a, an opening ritual before we actually started the day. Like I, we arrived, it was last January, mm-hmm. we arrived, we, we lit a candle, had some incense, we all kind of communed, and then we started. Everybody started. I started makeup and you know the design and and Deanne Deanna was doing the 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 set design and all this stuff. So it, it was just he knew that it had to be a ritual, that we couldn't just take some photos and do this. Every action is part of a ritual. We're all communing with the archetypes and the archetypes will guide us and tell us what choices to make. Yeah. We have to empty ourselves and surrender to that. So this ritual is part of that.
0: It was, a, the was an amazingly long uh, ritual and it, and it really had, there was a lot of magic that day yeah. until that night.
1: When, oh, the night was crazy. We had, <laughs> we
0: had the most horrific, terrorizing ordeal at an Airbnb that anyone. Oh my god! Cops <laughs> came twice. It was it, it was, was, crazy. was holy insane. crap. I've it had insane. my shares
2: of crazy Airbnb stories, but man, that cop
0: knocks We're and everything. We'll
2: We'll probably have to put that as like a separate episode to talk about that <laughs> yeah, experience yeah. altogether. Now I want to set. So I want to set the sub because from I want to reiterate something you guys. Uh, you know, Anamur, mentioned before. Urkala is a Sumerian word for the underworld. Now. <clears throat> I want to set up perfectly for this different sounds and different colors i got that from this it was yes. a like and you said it was a first album in a trilogy set of albums that explores consciousness the lowest yes. level ego lie cheat steal selfishness etc now it was darker elements lyrically and musically and three or four years ago i know you mentioned it you you knew you wanted to do this trilogy yeah. so to what level to do you guys like to have a theme for your records and how important are themes to you? Is that more about helping you write or sound or is that more for the audience? Cause a lot of artists, they don't really care about themes. They just do 10 songs in the studio and that's it. But I felt like with or with everything that you just pretty much just laid out this map of just this trilogy, just exploring, gosh, I mean, I, I think I'm gonna lose my mind man, as I listen to this and, so, and in the most exhilarating way possible, you know but I felt like there's a specific dilemma you guys wanted to achieve with that as far as the theme.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a weird thing. I didn't set out to do that. It just, again, through the meditative practice, through the writing process, as I started doing it, I started to see that this is what it needed to be. And I I can't really tell you why. It's like, it sounds crazy. I was told to do this. I started exploring. I was becoming obsessed with the Sumerian culture. And part of that was because I was just in my own practice trying to understand why religion became monothe- monotheistic predominantly at least in the west right because in the mm. east it's still you know polytheistic um depending on you know buddhism hinduism you know so why is this that we're focused only on one god and why is the god male and so i started to like look through history and just trace things back and trace things back and trace things back until i got to the sumerians and i kind of got locked in the sumerians i mean I'm obsessed with the Egyptians too, but the 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 Sumerian period was just so I don't know something was there for me, and um, and that's when I I knew that that the goddess energy was kind of guiding this process. But it's also something more in my meditative practice. Um, Hecate kept coming up, the goddess Hecate, and. She really guided this entire process. So Shadow Queen, which is the bonus, the trilogy of bonus tracks, it's just raw ritual music, one take, just raw music in in a in a meditative state, in a trance that I wrote, and I kept it like that because I just felt like some people will love it and some people will hate it. But it's, I mean, there's no metronome. It's just like a ritual. And and it actually, I did not re-record those tracks. I, those are tracks that I recorded here in my bedroom. But she guided the process. She, that it's all dedicated to her. It's called Shadow Queen. Shadow Queen Maiden, Shadow Queen Mother, Shadow Queen Crone. And she just told me what needed to be there. And what needed to be there was... Um, the Sumerian story, the story of Inanna, um, who is a, um, Book one of the goddesses um, in the Sumerian culture. So all of our videos, each piece of music is gonna have a video component. And um, Maya is the second chapter, Sever the Ties the fifth chapter. It's based on the, the classic hero myth, the descent of Inanna she descends into the underworld, and she comes back up. She just told us in her meditation, in my meditation, and then we would talk about, all this. she just kept resurfacing. So the videos had to be based on that story. The story, the the name of the album had to be based on on this, you know, Sumerian tradition. The, The titles of the work and the lyric structure had to be within that modernized, but within that context. So Maya is a, is illusion, the word for illusion, right? And, and and the content of what that is is based on what I was experiencing at the time from the perspective of a superficial perspective or maybe not, right? Because there is a watcher that watches. Who is the I when we say we're I? But I would like to think, you know, something else that's observing and interpreting, but some of it is also from the other eye. I- and going in, you know, the, the base material level, you know, stuff that happens, uh, on the superficial aspects of who we are based on the superficial aspects of who we are. I also want to tell you that in my travels of this whole crazy time, um, Dr. Irving Finkels, one of the leading cuneiform, like scholars in the world. And I started because I'm an idiot started to teach myself how to how to like type cuneiform, how to write cuneiform, which is the language of the Sumerians, right? And I love this guy. He's just awesome, cool, like professor. And he works at the British Museum. And um, I said to Taz, I'm going to get in touch with Dr. Finkel to make sure I'm going to write cuneiform in, I'm going to write the word or in cuneiform on the album. And I'm going to send it to Dr. Finkel and have him correct my spelling to make sure it's right. And that's what we're going to put on the album. He's like, holy fuck, man, do it. So I got in touch with Dr. Finkel and I'm like, Dr. Finkel, I'm such a huge fan. He's got like all these videos on YouTube. I'm like, you're so like the coolest dude. He a big white beard. And he turns out to be, a ba- he's a bassist. And I'm like, can you correct my spelling? We're going to put this on the album. And he's like, sure, you got it. He sent me back the spelling. So you got to correct except for this one letter here. And so-, that's so-
0: counts you got that you show, right
1: you got this his one. old fender
0: bases and and all that yeah, stuff
1: yeah he's sending pictures of his old yeah like jazz bass or whatever it is it's super uh, cool.
2: what's his name you said doc- dr finkel if i were to search him up
1: yeah dr it. irving finkel
2: okay wow yeah i had no idea so yeah, got- I, I, I feel like you answered this qu- question already and uh i like to ask this but sure it's safe to say that urkala is a snapshot of where you guys are at a certain time in your life looking back yeah
1: yeah yeah for sure
2: because you know it's you know it's easy to say for example it's easy to say like all these there's so much music that came out this year so much great music in 2020 you know and it's easy to look back and say okay this was the pandemic album you know and that's an easy mindset to go to but i like Looking back on these albums and and especially with, you know, even though it's coming out 2021 or Kala, it, it allowed for people like yourselves and myself to a chance to grow. You know that. And I feel like this album allowed you guys individually to tap into another dimension of yourself that you may have not been able to reach before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. With, with every album, I think with every piece of music that you write. That also,
0: also in 2020, we had time to do that. Uh, yeah. especially yeah. with putting the video component together with it and actually fleshing out those stories and stuff. If we were getting in the van and going on tour and playing man. shows and rehearsing, we could never have made these videos. And and like she said, the videos are part of... Uh, Presentation. A, a, and, and a short film that we're making, like, you know, you see in the videos, there's band playing and then there's, vid- there's movie aspects of it. We're also planning a full, you know, short film with the movie aspects to take out the, you know, the rock video part of it and actually create something else with it. Um, And that's something that we could never do if it wasn't, you know, unfortunately pandemic time where everything is shut down and we're just sitting home and figuring out what to do, you know. I'm not looking at it as the pandemic stuff, you know. we've, We've made it a point not to put out the quote unquote pandemic video, or the you know, um, we're just doing stuff that, that we're doing this year because this is the year to do that, you know, like the Maya video. We're walking around New York City and it's empty in New York City. Yeah. When is it empty in New York yeah. City? <laughs> yeah, because it was true. the pandemic. Yeah, we filmed, yeah. We we're on Brooklyn Bridge, we we're you know, in, in Chinatown, there's nobody around, yeah, but that's because it was the pandemic and then we got it in there. But we didn't actually say it, you know. Yeah.
1: So. And the graffiti on the on the bridge. The graffiti and all yeah. on kinds the bridge. Of, yeah. yeah, it was and cool. Even
0: even in the new uh, "Sever the Tide video, you know, we filmed some of it in Times Square. It's empty. Yeah. You know? Man, it's like a it's
2: <laughs> it was like a seeing all these like movies that came out in the past. You know, like "I Am Legend," for example. Like just the just that's exactly what it felt 20 like. Yeah. 28 days later, that's one of my favorite movies of all time, and that whole intro for people who haven't seen it uh the big band tower just that area in london where it's just empty and killing yeah. murphy's just walking around just how mm-hmm. in the world and, and i saw that in your music video that exa- it's so crazy you're talking about it because it took me back to that experience when I, I was like wow the creativity's through the roof here now i'm a, I'm a film buff off myself so that's go ahead you're gonna add, add to that you
0: know i i love that because and i love that you noticed that because that's exactly what we're what we were where we were like that wasn't even planned no, you know? we were
1: planning on before COVID. We had a we had a trip booked to Italy. We were going to shoot during Beltane in a small town in Italy where they like take flaming logs and carry them on their backs and like continue the Beltane tradition. Although that's kind of transformed into a <laughs> Catholic thing too, but you know it, the the roots are still obviously Beltane. And so we were we had everything was booked. We were going to stay in a tower. It was like this cool little Airbnb and we had to cancel everything. So with canceling everything, which sucked, we also had to change the entire story.
0: Hmm.
1: We had to yeah. rewrite the whole story for the video and for the, for the like entire story. And
0: set that in New York City. And but, you know, set it at? in
1: home. Yeah, what home. better
0: time to set something in New York City when you got, you know, deserted streets and and it's it's just crazy yeah. time out there yeah. i think it may have
2: worked out in your favor at least from my perspective as you're starting to talk about how things unfolded for each of you from the different experiences and perspectives in your timeline individually that you have taken in and we have discussed about have your aspirations as a person or a band have they changed or evolved since when you first started performing in the industry do you guys see things differently now
1: I mean, I, of course, I think we see things differently. Um, how do we see things differently? I mean, I guess now I have, for me, Dave came to the band with a lot of experience already.
0: My previous band, Bio, we were, you know, we toured and did all that stuff. Um,
1: but for me, I didn't have that experience. So for me, everything was kind of new. Everything was kind of new. I didn't really know. Like I said, I, I had no idea what I'm doing. i was just like winging it. And, and that's a different perspective from what I'm used to, because my parents are educators and I, I come from that like tradition of educators where you learn and you practice and then you do, and, you know, and this is like, I'm thrown into the ocean. There's like, what guidance do I really have? Cause it all comes down to what do you want? Just do it. And that's like, whoa. Well, what for real? You know, like, so that was like, that was really, um, that was a different, that was a different thing that I had to kind of work through and, 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 and have confidence in myself that like, just go ahead and do it. And do whatever it is that's inspiring you. So then it becomes what's inspiring you. And how do we go deeper into that? How do we surrender to it and have that just guide the process. And, you know, there are people like Jim Morrison, who is a pinnacle at doing that. So, so you look to the greats, at least I did. You look to the greats as teachers tool, you know, as teachers to not get caught up in the crap and, and what everybody else is doing and to focus all your energy on just emptying yourself so that you can receive and just go in deeper to the space. So for for I guess with this album I, we tried so hard to do that with everything with every aspect of it with the limited resources that we have, you know. So you know it's like little kids playing in the field like when we were little you just go outside. I we didn't. I did grow up with parents that had a lot of money, so we just went outside and played in the dirt and yeah. had a ball. You know, <laughs> I remember looking at the leaves and just looking at the veins and the leaves in the sunlight and how much greatness was comes out of that. So it was coming back to that kind of a space. You don't need all that. Come back to a truth and a and a and a, a truth. Let's let's yeah. start hitting the truths of of this thing that we're in, whatever it is that we're in.
2: That is uh, interesting. You say that I, so I I was born in Bangladesh and uh, you know, growing up, you know, that's, that's what we did. You know, we just went out and we didn't really have like any tools or anything to play with. We just laid out in like just the dirt and just like looked up in the sky, just little things like that really stand out. And, And now it's like, it's like, wow. Okay. How do we tap back into that mentality? It's easy to lose track of where you are, you know, as you grow and you have all these resources sprouting from here and there, it's like, okay, what do I do with myself? How do I go back into that? You know, but, you know, that could go on forever as far as that's concerned, but yeah, you nailed it right on the head. Um, man, guys, this has been a pleasure. We're almost running out of time, but I want to finish things off on a pretty interesting note. Cause I, I usually ask this question, but now we're talking about like the cinematography of your music videos. Usually I ask five favorite albums you can think of at the top of your head. But I was going to ask, like, what are your favorite five favorite movies? You can think of it. Uh-huh. Time? Either Dave wants to take that, or Honor Maria wants to say that. You guys want to share that answer? You
1: split
0: it. <laughs> Dave's already—he's like licking his lip. He's like, he's, All right, yeah, yeah he wants to uh, I, I we, we share some favorites because in in the process of making these videos, we've been watching a lot of movies. Yeah. So
2: I want to see if any any of yours fall in my top five. Just curious.
0: Go ahead. <laughs> um, oh, Jesus. Well, what inspired us? What inspired us? So. One of the biggest pieces of inspiration was a movie called uh, Antichrist.
1: Knew that was gonna be the first one
0: from Lars von Trier. Oh, Lars man. von Trier is amazing. Um, okay, I know that one very well. So, and you know, we borrowed some of that technique, and you know, we have more videos that are coming out that we may continue with some of that technique. You'll
1: we'll see more in: kind uh, of Crucify, Crown of
0: Crucify especially. There's, there's, uh, you'll see more. One of the things that we've been really, really like obsessed with are uh, like unknown '70s horror movies. Just the craziest, like you know, I, I found some video channel that that you know you can just find all these these movies that you've never heard of that came out in the '70s that are so amazing that
1: we went down the rabbit hole. It's a
0: rabbit hole. Um, it's not necessarily a movie itself, but you know, it's a genre.
2: 70s horror movies that still counts because that's that's yeah. just a whole world within itself it's a that's, whole world and that's and- that's like a that's like a whole just a different universe talking about a rabbit hole i don't think there's a way to get out of that
1: <laughs> no it was once <laughs> you to actually go in it was uh brown bunny we just watched brown and bunny. and and again and, and that's just another shining light. Yeah, like the
0: Buffalo 66 type movie also. Um,
1: Mulholland Drive, of course, you know, uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick is another thing. So we were rewatching, um, I always say the milk bar.
0: Oh, the Clockwork Orange. Orange. Oh, I was just watching.
2: I I was. I'm a huge Kubrick fan, and I was watching. I don't know why I did this. This this just messed my head. I I watched Clockwork Orange and Eyes Wide Shut back to back because I had. I I had. I had. had, had, Eyes Wide Shut may be my favorite Kubrick film. Actually, yeah, it is my
0: favorite Kubrick film. Every time we're walking around Tribeca. I'm always like, I wonder if that's that street corner where the guys. Oh I my gosh! With, it's, I, I, it's these these like deserted. You, know, you ever like approach it,
2: like just approach it, and then just see the like a black car like just drive down. You
0: just like that happens all the time. Does <laughs> <laughs> that I love feeling? That. It's, and then you make stories up about it. Yeah, You're like, oh, yeah, and, yeah.
1: We just make we just make stuff up, and it's like all fun. We're in this world. But the the psych psych is not psycho. What's the other Kubrick? Um,
0: with the,
2: the
1: Shining. The Shining.
2: Yeah, For one of me, my all time favorites too.
1: Yes, The Shining. Um, but I mean, there's you know Sunset Boulevard and and um, oh God, what's it, all about Eve? Which are you know on the waterfront, um, wild strawberries. Uh, the Seventh Seal, if oh my we're going gosh. down that, you know, all these, <laughs> and then Tarkovsky, right? So, yeah. um, you know, that's a whole nother thing that's infused um, the this whole project as well. So, so we've been re-watching all of these things mm. lately, just to kind of get back into the headspace of, of those, play- and we have no, again, we're just learning everything. Yeah. He, in fact,
0: well, I know what she's going to say. Like, I editing. actually, I, I, one of the things that I did for Maya was I completely changed ecosystems. And any graphic designer or video editor anybody will understand, I completely got out of Adobe. And okay. I went to different, different, I went from Premiere and After Effects to DaVinci Resolve. And I had nothing because I bought a Blackmagic camera. I had no, no experience with DaVinci. And he's
1: learning on the fly as, as we're editing as we're and editing. as we're colorizing. So,
0: so, it
1: was crazy. It
0: was fun though. But he's like a genius with this. But stuff. One thing I have to say is that when you do that, when, when you asked about movies, there's also like the dark series, for example, you also learn about color, you know, the ah. way they, the way each, you know, point in time was a different color. And that's some things that I started to look at and we both discovered could add, uh, you know, another level or whatever to the video. So for example, in the new Sever the Tie* video, you know, the, the, there's different places where the characters are, well, basically her. And we try to colorize them in, in, in certain ways to evoke a different response, you know? And that's just what I learned just watching, you know, watching, watching shows like watching the Dark the Series and watching the greats and watching the movies and seeing how, what did that movie look like? What does is, what is Texas Chainsaw Massacre look like? It's a little like washed out in the blues and the reds and, and you know, the skin tones are more, you know, whatever. Like you learn to think Star like that. Star
1: Wars, you know, The Godfather. Yeah. We rewatched all this like so, stuff. So. so that
0: was really fun to, to start to get a handle on, you know, instead of just like throwing, you know, throwing some stuff from your iPhone into video editing, you know. Um, so anyway. Uh, one director that
2: stands like out for me the most and this is one of my favorite directors he's one of my favorite modern directors is guillermo del toro and yes. um i got to meet him a few years back one of the nicest individuals ever oh my goodness gracious and it's easy to like look, look at a director be like oh i don't want to see anybody but he's he's amazing but as you're you know dave you're telling you're talking about the themes like like as far as the visual part without any dialogue Watching Guillermo's movies like Pan's Labyrinth, you know, Pacific Rim, you know, like, like Dating Back, it, he, one thing I've noticed about his films specifically, I'm sure a lot of directors do this, but his stands out the most. He tells it to where you don't even need dialogue. Yes. You, you insert a certain theme and that theme, like it sticks to you. I mean, one of the easiest themes to throw back on is the Matrix, you know? What's the yes. first thing you see? Is the, the green, dark kind of tone that sets the mood. That set the mood. When you can set the mood which you guys did with Sever the tie and Maya, you did that with Maya as well. There's a specific tone. You guys set it in with those, uh, the cinematography. And that's one of my, I went to film school for three years. So that's why I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this. When it comes to cinematography, um, that really resonated with me. You know, Christopher Nolan does the same thing. He did it with Tenet, the latest one, but when you can tell the story without anything else, but and you can tell it with the themes just by, just changing the color, it really hits you in a different way yeah. that you never have thought you experienced before. Like cert- certain movies, I just remember just because of the color of it, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, um, yeah. There's and a. Gloria Sigismondi, who did like a lot of the videos for Manson and yeah, yeah, yeah. White Stripes. And also, I always had this thing for Floria's work. I love her work. And obviously, it's there's the things that we like were from a different time. So we, you know, when we want to duplicate what she's done um and we it also is i think you know resonates for the time that it was in but what she did was so powerful that to me it was we had a lot of discussions about how do we craft our own thing that has that that kind of effect you know she did the nine inch nails the nine inch nails video was like so for closer you know like remember when that came out it was like "Mm."
2: we're like, all we're all shit. we're all still scarred by that just that, that <laughs> know, like the the damp that dark uh i mean yellow is and orange are the colors yeah that i recall the most yeah and i've never experienced it. that's probably the one of the first music videos i've experienced something like that because at the time it came out you know it was it was so groundbreaking at the time yeah and you national know, stills does that they, they're still doing videos like that and yeah and uh when you can execute it right they did it right and uh anyway i don't mean to cut you off there but you right. got me excited there so
1: no um, it's all good i cut you off
2: <laughs> man like i said i can't when you guys come to dallas we're definitely going to do another interview because we could go on forever about
0: this we should That's totally start our, cool start
2: our own podcast talking about like different uh movie themes and whatnot but
0: anytime uh, you know have, we'll have more video stuff out so you, we can actually that, uh,
2: that i'm excited <laughs> for it. that i'm very yeah. excited for because you're talking about like you guys have more stuff coming out as far as the cinematography i mean i I mean, we'll stay in touch. De- yeah, definitely. Um, for sure. Do you guys have any like last shout outs? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to mention to your fans who are listening about Vajra going forward? Maybe any new music video drop that you can or cannot announce? I don't know. I'm saying a very like, I'm trying to... <laughs> well, I mean, we
1: will be putting out this short film next year. Um, and we're... Early next year. Early next year. And um, we're working on that now. And um, we're also probably going to be heading into the studio I mean we're talking about it now some point uh, early in the early part of the year we'd like to do that so that we can work on the second chapter now of the you know the second album in this in this trilogy series not EP
2: second chapter
1: I know (laughs) I know it's I was like so adamant and then yeah it just you know again it told us what it wanted and it's just like we couldn't be something it couldn't be that so um, but we also have um, a, a shop with all these really cool things that we put together and like my cousin designed the t-shirt art and my cousin designed the new logo um, and we put that up we, um, and the little ritual packs that we created which you know the incense was was um, selected to have a certain effect Um uh, you know, the, the essential oils that, that are in the mists were, were created to have also a certain effect. And it wasn't just randomly put together. I also do Reiki. So then there's Reiki candles. And so we're really proud of that too. I don't know if that's going to really resonate with people because it might be too weird, but it's something that we thought was really important. No,
2: not, Hey, uh, I I grew up in a region where that's very common. So, you know, and, and, Born in Taka in Bangladesh, like I've been, you know, I I lived there for what four or five years and, you know, I've been around a lot of different kind of rituals and like just my upbringing was, was, it's a very different world. And, you know, I think it's really cool how we connected like here on the spot with all the upbringings that we had, but, um, I'm going to talk to you guys
1: is from Bangladesh as well.
2: No way. Is he really? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh man. Yeah, it's the same connection. I love this. Um, So before we, I'm going to finish things off here, but I'm going to talk to you guys uh, before we uh, finish it off. But everyone who's listening, you know, this is Dave and Ana Maria from Vajra. Their new album, Urkala, comes out January 15th, 2021. Can't believe I'm, again, I'm saying 2021. We're already here. Out on Thundercult Records. Please, if you can, purchase the record because the bands can't do it without your help. It's easier said than done, but at a time we're in, buying the merch helps. i still have a stack of you know movies and records like in the corner of my room that I still buy, you know yeah. and I, I think it is that much more effective if you can help out the fans you know help out the band and you can listen to this on all, all podcast streams on interview check us out dave and anna maria thank you again from the bottom of my heart you guys stay thank safe you. out there we'll do this again in person yes in dallas and we're gonna we're gonna hit things off on an amazing note and uh I'll talk to you guys later, okay?
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-E-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or RezaBlade, that's
0: R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at fire.